of tribes which are scattered abroad. Notice he's writing here to the Israelites who were in dispersion. And he's speaking of those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus and about their their faith. And the first part of this chapter, you're going to read that there's trial and testing and the patience of it. And then he sort of breaks it a little bit and he encourages them about the gifts of God to them. And then he brings it back down again until being a, a hearer and a doer of the word. No use just hearing it and not applying it. And he says, it doesn't matter what you hear. If you're not going to apply it, it won't have any effect on you. And so he, he, he mentions that he's, a, notice, a servant first. He's a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he doesn't say, oh, well, you know, I'm an apostle and I'm, first of all, I'm this. No, he's saying, I'm a servant of God. And he's bringing the people, he's bringing himself, as it were, to the same, into the same arena and level as everyone else and saying, I'm one of your brethren. I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus too. Because he mentions it then in verse two, my brethren. Notice that, my brethren. So he's now, Heart to heart, eyeball to eyeball, face to face, chicken jowl as it were. He's right down in with this because he knows their trials abroad. He knows what is happening with them. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or various temptations. Now, if you and I were honest in our walk with the Lord here, and as being uh, Christians and we have divers temptations or various temptations good to see us the lord bless you we're in the book little just started the little epistle of james if you want to turn to it in james chapter one and he says count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations and the thing about it is is sometimes if we were honest we don't do well in these trials here we don't sometimes we can throw the head up Sometimes we can just get too angry and angry with, at the wrong people at the wrong time about the wrong things. Um, we can allow ourselves to be pulled down a rabbit hole with all sorts of things that are happening. And instead of, instead of this, James is saying, count it joy. How do you get there? How, how do you get there? And the only way that we can truly get there in times like this is a dying to self. Is that when you and I were saved, we really, as it were, we died, yet we lived. You know, so Paul tells us in Galatians 2 and in verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. So in other words, he's saying, I have died. Paul, Saul, who became Paul, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And he's saying, look, I've died, I'm, I'm, I'm alive, but he's metaphorically speaking of this. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So the life he's living is for the Lord. He's dying to his own self, his own feelings, even his own hurts, because we can all feel them. And he says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. And the easiest, the best way to count our trials and tribulations and temptations, joy, is to realize that Christ went before us. And Christ lives in us. And that when we get saved, we 
basically died, but the old man and the old woman must be crucified almost on a daily basis that we would, he would increase and we would decrease. Now that's a hard station, isn't it, for all of us? That's a really difficult thing because then he goes into patience. And if anybody needs patience, sometimes it's me. Well, a whole lot of times it's me. You know, I want everything done yesterday. I want it, I have, I, I'm dead straight ahead. I want it done. I set my mind on it, the goal on it. It has to be done. And, you know, and again, I mentioned this at the last night of the mission. I, I have Andrew's head tormented, you know. I would say, Andrew, can you do this? What about that? Can we get, would it be possible to do this? You know, even the mission, they'd be saying, what about a few days before it? What about recording these in video? And he says, Ken. He says, realize the work, I'll see what I can do. But we're not white well, you know. We haven't got all these men working full time to go and do this. And to be fair to him, he did. He had two cameras up and we were able to record them. And But I would have him tortured. And by the way, Andrew, I don't do it on purpose. It's just my mindset and I don't think. But I'm focused and fixed and that's just the way. I want it yesterday. I want to get it done. There's no time that King's business requires here's type of thing. And of course, uh, Andrew and, uh, and Glenn and, and Jeff are very helpful with that and I appreciate them. Notice here, my brethren, count it all joy, all of it joy, when you fall into divers' temptations. Now here's the thing, knowing this, we have to come, this is an experience of knowledge he's talking about. So you find knowledge through the experience of what you've come through before. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So, what James is telling us is this. We are to come through these trials, we are to come through tribulations and the temptations and all of those things, and when we come through this, it's working in us a patience, trying our faith sometimes. Sometimes we're praying for something we haven't seen it happen yet, or it has happened differently than we thought, or it's been something that has brought a shock to us, and we've been praying about it. And what he's saying here is, look, your patience, or your faith is being tried, and it will bring forth patience. And that trial that you come through at that place point in time will strengthen your faith for the next trial. You know, when the Lord Jesus was tempted in the wilderness of Satan three times, we're told that Satan left him after he quoted, obviously, the word of God that is written. And it says, but he left him for a season. In other words, there would be another time he would come back again and he would be tried again. And we have to remember, if it's good enough for the Lord, then it's good enough for us. If he went through this, then we can't expect any different. The servant, he says, is not greater than his master. So we have to expect we are going to have trying and testing times. But notice, this will have patience. And the patience will have, in your King James Bible, there are in italics, the word her. They put the feminine um the feminine gender of this word on it to try and give us the idea of what it is. It's a working in us. It's a, a perfect work. Her perfect work um, is what the translators have said. But we really read, but let 
patience have perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. So uh, flick over me to Romans, just Romans chapter 5 for a moment. Let's just read from verse 1. Romans 5 and verse 1. Paul writes, therefore, and we won't do it really tonight, but if, if you read the word therefore, read the chapter or the, the verses uh, previous, because the therefore is actually, Paul is saying, because of what's previously been said. So when you read therefore, always go back and read the chapter or else the verses before And it gives you the context of where you're going into next. So when Paul in Romans 5 and 1 says, therefore, um, and if you you, uh, possibly have it in your Bible, the, the letters are in capitals, meaning look back and read. And he talks about the imputation of righteousness and all of these things, okay? And... Because of this, because of the imputation of righteousness, that because in Christ our sin was paid for by him, and at the cross he takes our sin and we take his righteousness, it means it was imputed means to be added up, to be reckoned up to, and to be counted as. So what Christ's righteousness does for us is when we are saved is it's added to us. His righteousness is added to us. His righteousness and his work and well and ways and doing, his glory is added into us. So it's imputed, it's given, it's counted up, and we are part of that. Okay? So what Paul is saying in Romans 4, coming under Romans 5, he says, Therefore, because of this, being present tense, not will be, shall be, being, Paul is now speaking in the present tense, justified by faith. So it means you're just as if I'd never sinned, you'd never sinned. It means that God declares those who are in Christ righteous now. I know we all fail. We all let the Lord down. I know we can be the worst of the worst at times. But when he looks at you and he looks at me, there's our guest singer in. Good to see you, Laura. But when he looks at you and when he looks at me, he sees us through the medium of the mediator, the Logos, his son. And hence he sees his righteousness added to me. His righteousness added to you. And hence Paul is saying, the father is now declares you not guilty. Not guilty. So you are just as if you'd never sinned. You are justified by faith. That is believing this. Believing in this, what we're hearing. And then he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mentioned it, I think, was maybe Sunday night. I don't know, I preached that much last week. I can't remember which one it was. But I said, there's a difference in peace with God and the peace of God. When we were saved, we have peace with God. We hear sometimes, oh, he or she made their peace with God. Um, and if they have, it, may, it should mean that they have repented of their sins and they have received the righteousness of Christ. So they have peace with God. The peace of God is when you and I hear the word and do the word. 
hear the word and walk according to the word. Believe in the word for what it says about you and about me. So, for example, even what we're speaking on, it's just a little reading tonight before. What we're speaking on this evening here for you to realize I'm righteous in Christ. I'm justified just as if I'd never sinned. Even though, Lord, I've let you down and I've come in with my heart and my boots and all of this sort of stuff. Even though, Lord, I've been a failure and I'm not the greatest and I know I'm all, I know I'm certainly not perfect. Yet the Lord looks at you and says, yeah, but my son is and you're in him. And you're in him. So when we look at this, I better move on or we're going to have to no time to be praying here. So, he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it's by whom? By the Lord Jesus. Also, we have access by faith. Notice this, into this grace. So by faith, we now have access into the presence of God, receiving the grace when we fail. Walking in grace every day. Wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now this is why I brought you really to this chapter more than anything. Thinking of James and about the the patience and tribulation and so on. Notice this. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. So James tells us we're to joy in temptations. And Paul says we glory in tribulations. The idea here isn't that Paul's saying, I love it whenever I'm in tribulation. I love it when I'm getting hardships. I love it when people are attacking me. Or I love it when we're having to flee from town to town, city to city, and our faith is tried. He's not saying that he relishes it and revels in that. What he's saying is he's glorying that God is doing something with him. He's glorying in the fact that God is working in him, that God is producing something in him. So when you and I are in that place, then you and I can glory knowing that he is still in charge and control, that we have access by faith into this grace, and that, look, you and I will come out the other end, keep trusting in him, and he will be glorified, but God is working and doing something in you. And you and I will be better, stronger for what comes next. We'd love it to say, Lord, is that I just don't let anything else come next. But that's not life. And that's not this life. And that's not the way it would happen. So he says, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. I know speaking ministry-wise that 20 years ago in Dublin, what way would I put this? We had some trying people in Dublin, you know, some lovely people. We had some trying, 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 trying people in Dublin. And I'll be honest, how I would deal with things now would be different than how I maybe would have dealt with things then. Because the Lord has, over the years, done a work in me that I'm able, more mature in the faith and in the ministry, to know how to deal with and what to do or say or what not to do and say. And we're all learning that way. But 20 years or so down the line, you know, I I look back and I think sometimes I was nearly broken, just absolutely shattered, nearly broke by certain things and the way people were. And now it wouldn't really fizzle on me. Pastor McConnell used to say, he used to say, I have, I have a a backside, but a skin like a rhino. 
It's been kicked that much, I don't feel it anymore. And I, and I, as a young Christian, used to think, what does that even mean? What does he mean? Sure, there couldn't be. Everything's flowery, isn't it? Everything's rosy. <laughs> but we know it's not. And the thing is, now I get the sense of the meaning and understand what he was saying. So sometimes, I don't know if I'm at the rhino stage yet, but um, baby rhino anyway, <laughs> somewhere there anyway. <laughs> and so he says, tribulation work with patience and patience experience. Listen, an experience brings you hope. Builds our hope then. And hope that maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And then he goes into the, Paul goes into the diatribe, as it were, of how we were all ungodly and how Christ died for us. And you can go back to chapter 4 again and look at the imputed grace and faith, forgiveness of our sins. And look, there's not one of us in here that doesn't feel the Lord every day in some sense, shape or form. Not one of us. Whether there's omission or commission of sin, there's not one of us. Well, thank God for his grace. So let's go back to James as we just run all through this a bit and then we'll get down to a time of prayer and worship. So James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, now ladies saying often, if your husband's actually sitting beside you, I know Alison's probably going, yeah, Ken, you could pray that a bit more uh, every day. Like, But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Again, that's in italics. It just means to all. To all liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Yeah, here's your prayer life now. You ready? Let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man, a two-spirited man in other words. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now when we bring this verse over into a few verses down here you're going to see why this is said here by the time we come to around about in verse 19 to 25. And you're going to see it because it's bringing this, you, you know, you can hear the word, but you're double-minded. You hear the word, but you don't take it in. You hear the word, but it's not, it, it hasn't dropped from here to here, from the mind into the spirit to the heart. About 18 inches, just it needs to go down. And if it hasn't, you're double-minded. Notice this. Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the floor of the grass he shall pass away, for the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the floor thereof faileth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his, fade away in his ways. Now notice, he goes back back into, see, it's like he's opened the curtain and he's shown us a bit more and he closes it again. We're back into trial and temptation again. 
Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life with the, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So now he's saying, if you're going through it and you press through it, you're blessed. Now nobody feels blessed when they're going through the trial. But you're blessed. Verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. So if evil, pardon me, if temptation is coming to you from the flesh, from the devil, from wherever, that's not the Lord. Sometimes we put ourselves in the way of temptation or, you know, years ago, a man asked to see me, a married man with uh, two children. And actually I sat in his van, his work van. I met him and he, I said, well, what's wrong with you? And we're talking. So it came to our last church off and on. Just, I says, what's wrong with you? And he says, um, I'm falling into temptation. I says, what with? He says, another woman. I says, okay. I says, do you want to tell me about this? Well, and he says, well, he says, I know the place where I'm working, I'm doing work at this lovely, big, fancy house. And this woman, she's, and not, she started flirting with me, but now she's throwing herself at me and she's nearly grabbing at me. And I had to more or less escape. I says, good, Joseph did that. He says, don't go back. Uh, he says, I think I'll go back. He says, but... I know I'm not going into temptation. I says, no, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back because when something happens, you're going to blame her and say, you know what, I couldn't help myself. And you're going to try and excuse it because that's where your heart is. You want to do that. And he looked at me with, well, a bit of contempt and then with a bit of anger and then with honesty. And he says, yeah, you're right. I says, then don't do it. Send some of your workers to do it. Stay away from it. And he did, and his marriage is saved, and he's still with his wife, and the family are grown up now. And But it shows how easy it is not to flee temptation. God does not, I've heard people say, oh, the Lord put him in my way, or God put her in my way. No, no, not to the flesh. He tempts none, but you can be tempted of yourself. You can allow yourself. Now, notice this. He can't be tempted. God can't be tempted. With evil, he can't be tempted. But, as a man, he tasted temptation for us. Does that make sense to you, you see? When the devil tempted him. It's not the temptation, it's not the temptation that's the sin. Because we can all be tempted from one thing or another. It's the yielding. It's like the wee hymn, isn't it? Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you, some others to win. Fight manfully onward, dark passing some dew. Look ever to Jesus, he will carry you through. But notice this then, verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted, so neither tempt he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then... When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. 
So James is saying, listen, see if you're yielding to temptation. No matter what way we look at it, it's sin. And then he's saying, because lust, when it's conceived, it's sin. And then he says, but sin, when it's finished, it brings forth death. I mean, spiritually, the Christian is as low as a snake's belly going up a wagon rut. You know, it's you can't get any lower in your heart and your mind because you're you're convicted with these things. But thank God we do have this free access into his grace. And we can bring it to the Lord and move on. Verse 16, do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So we can trust him, in other words. There's no change in him. Off his, and I've underlined this in red pen, this wee verse. And it's like, off his own will he begot he us with the word of truth. It wasn't off your will. It wasn't your choice. We're hearing it an awful lot. It wasn't your finding him. It was of his own will. God called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees. God put that Abrahamic blessing into Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and onto Israel and the sons. God put it all. He begot us with his, with the word of truth. And God sent forth his son from Judah, the house of David. It was God done all of this. God sent his son to the cross. It was God in the person of his son who shed his blood and died. It was God who was raised from the dead on the third day. That is the son. It was, it was God who done it all. He begot us. He sent forth the apostles. He sent them forth with his spirit in their, in their hearts and the word in their mouth. It was him that built his church down throughout the years. It was nothing to do with us. And when you and I were saved, it wasn't us that begot him. He begot us. Everything's of him. So feel love tonight, Christian. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. In other words, don't lose your temper too quick. Come on, think of what we're saying, how we are acting, reacting. I know sometimes there's the old flan off the handle and so forth, but this is what the Lord is saying we should be like. Notice verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. For when we lose that, we're in the wrong spirit and God's righteousness is not worked through us, but rather our flesh, not God's spirit. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save the soul. And the term here, the engrafted word, it gives the idea of a word whose property, um, it's a word whose property it is to root itself in like a seed into the heart. That's the idea of it. So in this word, it is when it reaches the heart, it burrows in, starts to grow roots into your heart, as it were, spiritual roots. And that lives in you, carries you, walks with you, everywhere you go until we get to glory. 
But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Notice, doers, not just hearers. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face on a glass, or a mirror that is. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You know, so you look in the mirror, and you see yourself, the reflection, but as soon as you walk away, you forget what you look. You know, we look out our eyes, everyone looks at us. But when we look in the mirror, we look out our eyes and we see ourselves. Uh, the, the priest is coming to the altar, well, the brazen altar, it was polished brass. And so when they washed with the water in it, they were able to see the reflection of themselves and it let them know that I'm a sinner. That's why that was bronze, it was like a mirror. James takes us and says, there's a natural glass. Paul says, Paul mentions it like it's a mirror too, that the word of God is like a mirror. And so when we see ourselves and we're washing, the priests could see themselves in this polished brass like a mirror. But once you go away, it's easy to forget. It's like the commandments are written in stone and we can read it and feel it. But once we leave, it means nothing. But if the commandments are written in our hearts, then we carry that with us. But whoso, verse 25, for whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forget, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed indeed. There's where your blessing is. And think about it, if you're not, then your blessing isn't as fruitful or even as received as it could be. Is there something holding back our blessing? If any man among you seem to be religious and breadleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and in their affliction and to keep himself. Notice how this chapter finishes unspotted from the world. Christians in the world today. You hear of it all the time. Christians are in the world, living like the world, spending their time in the world. Uh, I've seen a young woman that I met, um, Alison had met, and anyway, I'll not go say where it was, but she's in another church and, and you know, sp- says all the right things, looks apart, lively in her worship, and I've uh, seen stuff the other day online, and there she was at nightclubs and and at the same time, she's putting up scripture texts and people would drink all around her and I don't know where she's in the drink or not. I don't know. Dear knows what else. And I think, you know, it just doesn't read right. Unspotted from the word. Unspotted from the word. Christ saved us from our sins. Not in our sin. To keep on sinning. Come on, we'll, we'll, we'll sing something.